0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for First Baptist Church Keller TX in the iTunes Store or in the podcast app on your mobile device. And now with a revival message, Mr. John Moore. Down through the centuries... There have been many men who have sought to establish for themselves their own standards for entrance into the kingdom of God. Sometimes they use religious standards. Other times they use racial standards, social standards, philosophical, or all of the above. But it seems to me to be pretty obvious that if you really want to know what the requirement is, what the qualification is for entrance into a kingdom, the best thing to do is inquire of the king of the kingdom. I said the best thing to do is to ask the king of the kingdom. There was such a man, we know him as uh, Nicodemus, He came by night to talk to Jesus and find out what the real truth is, what the qualification for entrance into God's kingdom. And by the way, this wasn't just an also-ran, just a whatever man, but this was a man who seemingly was well qualified for entrance into God's kingdom. In fact, if his contemporaries had had a vote, no doubt he would have made the top 10, maybe even the top five of likely candidates for entrance into the kingdom of God. First of all, he qualified by race. He was a Jew, the Old Testament people of God. Secondly, he qualified by religion. He was a Pharisee. Now, all that we say about the Pharisees, give them this much... They were zealots. They went out of their way to do what they thought they were doing in keeping of the law of God. In fact, they even added to the law of God about how a person ought to do and don't all through life. And not only did he seemingly qualify by race and religion, he, he qualified by reputation. Uh, not everyone was Elected to the uh, group of people about as close as we could call today uh, our our uh, Supreme Court. And this man was uh, in that Jewish court, and not everyone was elected there. And this was a man of reputation. He was also a man of recognition. Even Jesus referred to him in this passage of Scripture, not just a teacher of Israel, but used the definite article, the teacher of Israel, a man of renown, a man of recognition, a man well-known among his contemporaries as knowing the Scriptures and being able to quote them and to teach them. And yet, in this conversation, Jesus laid down one requirement— Just one. And Nicodemus had never met it. And that, my dear friends, leads us to John chapter 3 as we compare and look at this passage. I'm going to read it. I'm going to ask you to stand and and you remain silent while I read aloud from John chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit his Spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? One of these days, every single one of us here tonight will stand before God. And he's going to ask you and he's going to ask me this question. Why should I let you into my kingdom? What will be your answer? Will it becau- be because you're the right religion? Will you try to answer him by saying, I'm the right race? Will you tell him that you have the right reputation? Will you say that you're recognized by your contemporaries? Now, don't get me wrong, folks. None of us are going to escape that moment. And I know you don't want to face it. and You don't want to deal with it. I'm not asking you to answer out loud. But I'm asking you to be honest with God. And honest with yourself. What will your answer be? When Jesus looks you eye to eye. And asks this question. Why should I let you into my kingdom? title of tonight's message is The Qualification for God's Kingdom. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we ask you in the precious name of Jesus that your blessed Holy Spirit would be our teacher tonight. That you'd open up our understanding, that you'd allow to see into the realm of the everlasting. That you give us ears to hear what you're saying, and may our response be one that brings you blessing and us salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Notice that Jesus begins this very difficult and very profound conversation with the demand for two births. The demand for two births. He does it in verse 3. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, I need to stop there. You need to understand something of the day. You need to understand something of the teaching uh, methods of the teachers, the rabbis of that day. Understand that these men who followed him were with him 24-7. And they were with him all the time. And when he said something particularly important, it was often the case of the rabbi or the teacher that he would preface it by saying, verily, verily, or truly, truly. It was like waving a red flag and saying, okay, guys, what I'm about to say is really important. Pay special attention. And he says on this particular occasion, truly, 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 I say to you, except one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, remember, he made that statement. And by the way, this is the only place we find in Scripture, Jesus ever having said that. And that's led to some speculation. That's led to some conclusions. And the very fact that he said it not to an open sinner, but to a man highly respected, seemingly having touched all the bases, seemingly having fulfilled all the requirements. And if it says nothing else, it says this. There are no exceptions. Hello? There are no exceptions. Unless a person is born again, he or she cannot enter the kingdom of God. Many years ago, there was a preacher preaching a meeting in London, England, and uh, he had a group of men that would come to him each night, and they would pray for him, lay hands on him and pray for him, and then he would preach. The first night, he used for his text John chapter 3, verse 3. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Wonderful message, wonderful service, wonderful results. And then they came together for the second night. And they gathered around him and they prayed. And he preached the second night from John chapter 3, verse 3. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. The third night, he did the same thing. The fourth night, he did the same thing. Finally, one of the men got up enough nerve to ask him, Sir, preacher, why with all the Bible available to you, why do you night after night preach from the same text? He didn't hesitate in answering because, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The truth of that verse had so gripped his heart and his mind that it overwhelmed him with its reality and with its intensity. One of the great revivals that took place in the previous century in the 20th century took place in the Shandong province of China. Dr. Seal Culpeper was the leader of a group of Southern Baptist missionaries in that province. By the way, it no longer has that name. The communists have changed the name of the province. But in any case, it's still there. And in the early 1930s, Dr. Culpeber was, uh, uh, they, they began to pray. In fact, and by the way, this goes back to, uh, to a message I preached earlier this week. They began praying for revival in 1925. I said they began praying in 1925. And we fast forward to the early 1930s. And he invited a woman who was also a missionary. She was a Lutheran missionary from Norway. But she was recently converted right before she was sent overseas. And she was still hot from the fire. I say, she was still hot from the fire. She was on fire and they they asked her to give her testimony and invariably, every time she gave her salvation testimony, she would end it by asking the question, have you been born again? And she would situate herself by the only door that led in or out and no one could get out without coming by her and she asked every single one of them. Have you been born? Now, these are missionaries and some national pastors. And she got some interesting answers. I'm a preacher. I'm a missionary. I'm a deacon. She said, I didn't ask you what you do. I ask you, have you been born again? And so tonight, in memory of Marie Munson, I ask you, are you qualified to enter the kingdom of God? Have you been born again? But notice how Jesus continues in this conversation with this man. He began with demanding two births, but then he moves on to describing those two births. In verses 4 and 5, listen. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? It's obvious that the statement went right over his head. He completely missed it. He didn't see it. And so Jesus comes back to him in verse 5 and he says this. Jesus answered, truly, truly, and there it is underlining the importance about a, of what he's about to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, clearly, he says there's two births, one of water and one of the Spirit. Surely, every woman here who is a mother knows what it means about a birth of water. And if you're an understanding husband, you probably know too, when that woman's water breaks, you better hope you're close to a hospital. I said, you better hope you're close to a hospital unless you're ready to deliver a child yourself. And there's a birth out of water, obviously implying having to do with natural birth, physical, the birth of physical life. And then he says, not only must you be born of water, you must be born of spirit. And that has to do with a spiritual birth. And the best way I know to illustrate this is like this. And I love to do this because I love, uh, let's pretend, you know, I'm so old. I remember radio. And I remember as a child, oh, every Saturday morning, listen to this, listening to this children's show called Let's Pretend. How many of you are willing to admit you're old enough to remember Let's Pretend? All right, I thought so. Let's pret- I want you to pretend with me tonight. Pretend. That you see this imaginary line I'm drawing. And go along with my uh, uh, pretending. And let's let this uh, uh, this line stand for natural life. And take another step of pretending with me. And pretend there's an X at each end of that line. Now I have some good news and some bad news. We might as well get the bad news out of the way. This X over here stands for death. Get over it, folks. You're going to die. It doesn't make any difference how many times you whine and complain about your aches and say, oh, God's not treating me right. I've served him and I should live. You're going to die. Death's batting a thousand But this other line down here stands for birth. And did you know that God has given me the ability to where I know two things about every one of you? Trust me, yeah, I really do. I know two things about every person here. The first thing I know about you is you're alive. (laughs) At least you were before I started preaching. The second thing I know about you, by the very fact that you're alive, I know that at some point you were born. For no person has physical life without, first of all, being physically born. Now let's go a step further in our pretend. Not only do we have this first line that stands for natural life, Let's have a second line above the first line, and let's let that stand for spiritual life. Now, there are a couple of things about that line that are similar, but there are a couple of things about that line that's different than the first line. First of all, one of the things that's different about it, I purposely put it above, higher. Spiritual life is a higher quality of life. It's God's life he gives us. When we believe on him. Second thing about that. That's different about that second life. That spiritual life is. It doesn't have any X down here. It just keeps going. And going. And going. And going. Forever. And ever. And ever. But there's one thing about it. That's similar to the first line. Because down here. Just as the first line. There's an X. Because just as no person has physical life without first of all being born physically, neither does anyone have spiritual life without being born spiritually. No one's always been saved. You must be born again. And if you have a center or marginal reference in your Bible, likely by verse three, there's a notation about that word again, you must be born again. And over in the margin of my Bible, it says from above, you must be born again, you must be born from above you must have to in order to have spiritual life you must have a spiritual birth so again the question comes are you qualified to enter the kingdom of god have you not the person next to you not another member of your family have you been born again And then thirdly, after Jesus, in this conversation, demanded two births, and then in verse 4 and 5, he described those two births. Now he comes in verse 6 to define the two lives that result as, as a result of those two births. And by the way, the best commentary, and I know that there are commentaries that are worth something, I think, Don't insult any authors here tonight. But did you know the best commentary on the Bible? It's titled, The Bible. (laughs) The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And there are a lot of people, because of their preconceived notions, want to look at this passage of Scripture and read into it, Baptism. But a curious thing about this passage of Scripture, you can can investigate it high and low and you will not find the term baptism. Baptism is not what Jesus meant because it's not what he said. He said, you must be born again. Then he described that birth. He said, it's a birth of water and it's a birth of the Spirit. That second birth is a birth of the spirit. Physical birth results in physical life. He puts it like this in verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. It may be religious flesh. It may be moral flesh. It may be immoral flesh. But it's still flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and will ever be flesh. But then he goes on to say... That that which is born of the spirit is spirit. A physical birth results in physical life. A spiritual birth results in spiritual life. Then he even gives an illustration down in verse 8. Let's go ahead and read verses 7 and 8. Do not be amazed, Nicodemus, Jesus said, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind... Remember the wind? We sang about it tonight. I preached about it earlier this week. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. One of the things about Jesus that you have to notice is so often he uses illustrations and uh, speech metaphors out of nature because these were an outdoor people. They made their living. They lived their lives out of doors. They were farmers and ranchers. And even those who had businesses had businesses out of doors. And he said, look at the wind. Observe the wind. You know when it's there because you can see the leaves blowing. You can see the grass stirring. There's evidence. There's effect of the wind. But you do not know where it came from. Neither can you predict where it's going. It's under another ruler. Then he said, so is everyone who is born of the spirit a new lord a new power a new rule a spiritual rule a rule, the rule of god and i pointed out earlier this week to you the fact that in both the old testament hebrew and in the greek of the New Testament, the same thing holds true. The same word for wind, depending on the context and how it's used, can be translated breath or spirit. He who has been born of the spirit, the breath, the wind of God, that person is under a different rule. You can see where they are but you don't know. You can't dictate where they've come from and where they're going. They're under a new rule. They're under a new life. They're under a new strength. They're under a new power. And we return to our question that's invariable, that's incessant. Are you qualified to enter the kingdom of God? Have you been born again only God can determine the qualifications necessary for entrance into his kingdom now the question that comes that has not been yet addressed is this how how is a person born of the spirit and gratefully the word of God provides the answer or later on in verse 16, we have probably the verse of Scripture that is more popular, that more people know by memory than any other verse in the whole of the Bible. For God, will quote it for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The challenge there is in that little word believe. Actually, if you look in a Greek-English concordance, what you discover is there are four different Greek words all translated into our English word believe in the New Testament. But the particular word that's used here, and every time it's used in terms of salvation, that word believe has this definition to trust in to cling to, to rely on, to trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary to pay the sin debt you and I both owe. To believe on Jesus means that you trust him, that he's paid your sin debt and provided you with forgiveness. And then not only to trust in him, but to cling to him. Because not only has he died for us, he's come to live in us. And it's not a matter of me trying to do my best to live for him. It's a matter of me learning how to rely on him and his life, his resurrection life in me, to do all that he would have, a, have me to do. For it is God who is at work on you, not only to will, but also to do of his good pleasure. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he who has called us, who will also do it, who will also bring it to pass. The same one who calls us comes to live in us to bring about everything to which he, we, have, we have been called. And then to rely on him. His trustworthiness, something we've already talked about. It's not a matter of whether will God lie or not. He cannot lie, the Bible says. He is truth. I am the way, he said, the truth and the life. You can rely on him. God has cursed man's efforts to cover his own sin, Remember what happened to Adam and Eve? They tried to clothe themselves with the leaves of a fig tree. God had forever... Remember that uh, fig tree that he came across on his way to to Jerusalem one day? Had all the leaves on it. But when they went to find fruit, there was no fruit on it. And God did what? What? He cursed the fig tree. By the next day, it was withered up from the roots. God has forever cursed man's efforts to cover his own sin. But there's another tree in the Bible. The tree on which our Savior died. And he shed his blood in full and final payment. He, John tells us in 1 John 2, 2, is the propitiation. And that's simply a big old 75 cent word, which means satisfaction. God in Christ has satisfied our sin debt through the offering of the blood of of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the propitiation for our sins. But listen, that verse is not only... And not just ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Does that mean everybody's going to be saved? No. It simply means that he's made provision for everyone's salvation. But, you have to, but it's a gift. And for that gift to be yours, you have to accept it. And you accept it by putting your belief, your faith in Christ. Are you qualified? Didn't ask you if you're religious. Who in the world would be in church on Tuesday night if they weren't religious? That's not the question. Not the question of whether you're religious. is not the question of whether you're reputable. The question is, have you been born again? Is there a time in your life where you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, where you trusted Him, where you have learned to cling to Him, where you have begun to rely on His faithfulness. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.